if she doesn't see the remorse, if she doesn't see that when she gets triggered, he is handling it, his mere presence in my office isn't enough. She's got to see the rest of it. don't like talking about it, but we have to. If your spouse cheated on you, we have information to help you get through it. In part two of our conversation with Dr. Karen Sherman, here it is. After 25 years working with private clients, Dr. Karen Sherman realized that with all the stress that couples face, many just can't get to a professional for the help they need. For many, it's just too costly which is why Karen has created a new membership site for committed couples. Each month, she'll tackle a specific topic, publish new teaching videos, and the best part? Hold a monthly call where you can ask her your questions directly. All of this and much more is available for just $9.99 per month. Pretty amazing. Visit MakeYourMarriageWorkNow.com for more details. That's MakeYourMarriageWorkNow.com. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of HitchedMag.com, and I am joined once again with the original, uh, continuing a conversation that we had uh, a couple weeks ago, Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Uh, so, as I mentioned, we are continuing a conversation, uh, which was the process of recovering from infidelity. Um, so this is going to be part two of that because we started to go a little long. You had tons of advice. Um, and so if you haven't listened to the first part and this is a situation you're facing or you know somebody who's in a situation like this, uh, go back and listen to that um, and then come back and check this one out as well uh, because we will um, offer a lot more tips here. Uh, so where we left off, Karen, if I remember correctly, was the couple was going to – seek out some outside assistance. And um, the first big question I have for you is what should a couple look for when they're searching out a therapist to help guide them through this recovery process? Yeah, that's a real good, uh, a real good question, Steve. You know, I think in, in other episodes, we've spoken about um, how do you look for somebody for marital counseling? Yeah. And, um, I've said that it's really, really important that you make sure that the person is somebody who knows how to deal with couples because um, marital counseling is very, very different than working with somebody as an individual. Um, and so now I'm going to even stretch that further and say that you want to work with somebody who has experience working with affairs. So it's not any different than if you were to go to a surgeon and you would say to the surgeon, you know, are you a surgeon? Yeah. And how many, you know, um, of these types of surgery have you done? Um, because again, it's my belief that you need to be able to um, have a method um, a strategy of helping the couple through this very, very difficult kind of situation. So, and you have every right to ask that question. Yeah. I uh, want to make sure that you're going to get the very best help for you. And that, and honestly, nobody's more invested in this than you are, right? So, yeah. uh, and, and that's a great point because you're right. If you were having surgery on, let's say your knee, 
you you wouldn't be as comfortable if you went and saw the world's greatest heart surgeon, right? Correct. It doesn't matter how good of a therapist they are, if that's not their specialty or if they don't deal right. with that on a regular basis, they, they might not be the best to serve you. That's correct. That's correct. Okay. So, you know, and it's hard because you're in pain, it's a crisis and you want to, you know, sort of get help quickly. But if it's the wrong help, you're being, to, to borrow an expression, penny wise and dollar foolish. Mm -hmm. So you're going to get in there quickly, but if in the long run, it's not servicing you, then, then you're really hurting yourself. It would be much wiser to spend a little bit more time getting the right individual. Now, what, um, in that scenario, really quickly, um, would it be beneficial if they saw somebody, anybody, even if it's not the right person, and then change change the therapist after they get a session or two into it and realize mm, this is probably not going to get us to the goal line, but, oh, absolutely. At, but at least yeah. we saw somebody? Yeah, but, but here's the thing, Steve. Human nature is such that when you start <clears throat> talking about your problems and spending money – and you, you know, spend time going there, it's very, very difficult to make a switch. Um, there's an actual name for that, which is unimportant at this point, but it's, it's very difficult. People um, just hook into people very, very quickly. So, I mean, I remember years ago, this has nothing to do with uh, marital counseling, but I remember years ago that somebody came to see me and at the end of the session, she said, oh, by the way, I ought to tell you that I'm schizophrenic. I was like, oh, really, by the way? <laughs> you know, but anyway, um, and I don't deal with that kind of situation. And so I was not the best therapist for her. Um, and it was very difficult, even after the first session, to tell her that I was going to help her find somebody who was appropriate. Because even in one session, she felt so comfortable with me that she wanted to continue seeing me. So though in concept, it, it makes sense, um, it really would be better to find the right person from the beginning. That being said, if you realize that the person you're seeing isn't giving you what you need, then yes, please go find somebody else. Okay. And we've talked about it in the past about marriage-friendly therapists, meaning yes. they fight for the relationship and they're not yes. um, specifically trying to help one individual be – you know, move forward, which is what a lot of therapists do. Um, yes. And I'm, I'll let you add to that in a second, but I just wanted to throw it out there that we actually have a couple articles on our website, hitchmag.com, um, on how to find a therapist and some of the specific details to look for. So um, if you can't remember this stuff, uh, we have uh, we have some content on the site that will help walk you through this process. But um, you have the mic, Karen, so why don't you go and let people know what specifically aside from being a marriage-friendly therapist or maybe what that – in more well, detail what that means. Basically, um, on that site, marriage-friendly therapists – Yes, there's um, a site called that too. I should, I should have mentioned that. It's a great site. Yeah. Uh, basically, those of us who are on that site, first of all, all of our credentials have been checked. You don't just pay to be on the site. And the other thing is that we've all signed a statement saying that we will work to keep the marriage together, you know, barring that there's abuse uh, because that's a deal breaker. Yeah. Uh, but basically, whether you're on that site or not, the question you want to ask a therapist is, are you pro-marriage? Um, I'm unfortunately now dealing with somebody 
um, where I was not able to help the marriage. And I'm very sad about that. And I have real suspicion that the gentleman was on his own seeing somebody individually because I spoke to his therapist and I really believe that his therapist was working towards him leaving the marriage. Mm. Um, and there was nothing I could do about that. So you do have therapists who believe, you know, you've got one life and you deserve to be happy. Um, and so, you know, you could even go to a marriage therapist or, or somebody who says that they're a marriage therapist who will work towards that end of not working towards the marriage. Yeah. And that once again, it's, it's being penny wise and pound foolish right? because it might look good in the, in the, in the beginning, but we know from just mountains of data that a happy marriage, a successful marriage is really more beneficial than pretty much anything on this planet when it, when it all is said and done. Right. And the, the other thing I want to say, because I, I want listeners to understand, well, if I'm not happy, why should I stay in the marriage? You know, obviously when, you know, people call me up and, and I always laugh, I say, how are you? Well, obviously you're not good because if you were good, you wouldn't be calling me. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is that though you think you're not happy, a lot of times that's just because the relationship has gotten so off track, including affairs, that you know, in the moment you think you're not happy, but once you get to understanding where the miscommunication is, where the disconnection is, where the needs weren't being met, and you start responding more appropriately to each other, you do find that happiness again. You do find that connection again. So I'm not suggesting that people live out their lives totally miserable with each other. What I'm saying is that what it looks like may not be what's really going on. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's an important distinction too because just keeping a marriage together that's not um fulfilling, you know, that's not going to serve anybody well. But right. if you're going through this process of finding a therapist, one would hope that you're doing so um and with the goal of working on issues that you have and correcting those issues so uh you, you know, you can move past these things. So what do you tell clients who come into your office uh, after infidelity has occurred? You know, maybe it's their first or second session. Well, generally in the first session, you know, what I'm going to do is, you know, of course, empathize with how difficult this is and how painful it is. And I'm going to get a sense from each of them as to, you know, what was going on in their marriage. And what I always want them to know is that, I do feel that there's hope um, and that marriages can survive and heal from an affair depending on whether they want to work on it. You know, and I get a sense of where they are in the affair. You know, is it still going on? Um, you know, what the situation is. I will lay out for them. I have a very specific protocol of what I do and I will lay it out for them um, and ask them if they're willing to uh, do that protocol. Um, and again, what I tell them is that um, I have had a lot of success with this protocol as long as the participants are willing to work it. Mm -hmm. And and if you um, your your spouse comes to you, you know whether you find out for yourself or they admit to to their wrongdoing, um, and you say like, okay, I want to go see some professional help here. 
and and your spouse is reluctant to go and participate, how can you coax your spouse to actually just go to see somebody? That's a tough one, Steve. You know, it's therapy really only works whether it's individual, whether it's marriage, non-affair, or in this situation, if somebody really wants to be there. I mean, certainly you can say, you know, maybe uh, let's do best case scenario. Maybe the spouse says is hesitant because they feel so guilty and they feel that they're going to be, you know, blamed and made to be um, like just ashamed the entire time. And so then I would be the spouse saying, look, you know, I've spoken to this person and um, I, I get the sense that this person is is not about blaming anybody, but about trying to figure out, you know, how to heal us and, and to figure out how to make the marriage better. Would you be at least be willing to come and for one session and hear what it's about? Okay, that's the best case scenario. And and generally, you know, then then it's a different thing because many times there is a lot of guilt involved and the person doesn't want to be made to feel like they're just this monster. Okay? Yeah, okay. Um but if the other person is truly reluctant, you can't really get them to do it. And my experience now, I have no research on this. Okay. This is purely anecdotal, um, but it's after, unfortunately, doing a lot of this work. Mm-hmm. What I have noticed is, now let's just say to make the conversation easier, that it is you know, who has um, uh, betrayed the, the wife. Okay. When I, I can sort of predict which couples are going to get through the process and heal and which aren't. When the male is able to hear his wife's pain, to be able to validate it, to listen to it, to really help her heal, then they, they get through it. Mm-hmm. When he feels, and it's generally because we know biologically males are more sensitive. I yes. don't think necessarily because he's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. But when he has difficulty hearing it and he says things or acts like again you're bringing this up aren't you ever going to get over it how many times do we have to go through this and that's pretty much much the posturing it doesn't work okay now does does um like remorse like you're talking about sympathizing with the wife uh does remorse play a factor in your mental calculation absolutely. absolutely um Women have told me time and time again that if her husband is able to, on a fairly regular basis, own it and and say, I'm just so sorry, and I'll give you a couple of examples by what I mean, um, that that is tremendously healing. So one of the things that I, there's two main things I tell couples. Number one, this is a process. It is not something that is going to heal in a week or even in a month. It could take an extended period of time. The second thing is that the phrase I use is that the only thing I can predict for them is the unpredictable. And here's what I mean by that. You can be going along this process and we're moving along and we're doing nicely. And then all of a sudden a song comes on the radio 
that will trigger for the woman, you know, some memory about a time where he came home late Mm. and all of a sudden she's having a reaction. Okay. They didn't expect it. It came out of the blue and now she's having a reaction. He has got to be able at that moment, rather than getting angry and like, are you kidding? Again, this is coming up. Why are you having this reaction? He's got to be able to just acknowledge it and say, I'm just so sorry that, you know, I put us in this situation. There's the remorse. Okay. Okay. So it's those kinds of things that will help the process along and little by little knowing that she can trust because that's what's been broken Mm -hmm. that she can trust that he really is trying to show um that he cares about her healing that's what will help the marriage um go back onto a good foundation Uh, on on that point um if you were the person who was cheated on um Mm -hmm. is it helpful if you were the only person who was going to therapy I think that that's going to be tough because, you know, the woman's going to, again, and again, I'm speaking stereotypically because certainly the woman can be the one that cheated, but just for the sake of making this conversation easy, how can she rebuild trust if, if the partner's not even there, how can she possibly feel like he really cares about me? He's not even willing to come in here and help. Why should I be doing all the, the work? He's not here. So I'm not, you know, and, and I'm a big advocate, by the way, that you can actually work on your marriage without the other person mm-hmm. being here because I believe in action reaction, sure. not with affairs. Because it's a, well, you know, what's interesting um, is I, I just immediately think of the phrase uh, fake it till you make it. So yeah. even if the cheater um, doesn't really believe that this is going to save their marriage or doesn't believe that it's going to help anything just mm-hmm. by just by being present be going to the session uh will it it will do more good than not going so it you know they may not buy into it at the very beginning but just just their attendance alone is a positive step yes and no okay because cuz i've had those situations okay um, again, if she doesn't see the remorse, if she doesn't see that when she gets triggered, he is handling it, his mere presence in my office isn't enough. Got it. She's got to see the rest of it. I'm a big believer in fake it till you make it also, because we know from research that very often when you go through the actions, the feelings follow. But we're not talking here just about that. We're talking about rebuilding trust. Mm -hmm. So there's got to be a little bit more oomph behind it. (laughs) And is that something that a therapist could provide? I mean, is it something that they could say like, uh, you know, do you you know, basically give them the leading question. I mean, are you remorseful? Do you feel remorseful? And I, and I understand that that may not, the response may not feel sincere, but is that, is that helpful? Well, you know, different therapists do things differently. I'm a very active therapist. I get very involved and I will certainly approach it. I might say, you know, where are you stuck? I might ask to speak to the, the guy by himself 
and question, you know, where is he stuck? Is it because maybe he's still involved with the other person? Is it because he really doesn't feel he has feelings for his wife? Or is it because he just feels so guilty that he can't bring himself to it? You know, there's any number of reasons that he may not be delivering on what's needed. But I certainly will investigate, you know, where, you know, um, there is a... Um, lack of ability to move forward in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of wrapping things up here. Uh, so if you could leave people with, let's say, one to two pointers, uh, what would they be? Well, basically that um, an affair does not have to be the end of a marriage. Mm-hmm. And that... Um, Again, if each of you are willing to do the work, um, that the marriage can be stronger than it ever was. Um, I see affairs very often. That has to be dealt with first. The hurt has to be dealt with first. But I don't stop my therapy after we've healed the affair. Then we look at, okay, now let's work on making sure that Um, the relationship is strong, making sure that the things that were um, not working as well as they could have been um, will work, making sure that things that perhaps led up to the affair um, won't lead up to it again. Um, So there, it's not just the healing process. I go beyond that. So you look, so you, you, after things have been healed, you then start to tackle perhaps some of the negligence that may have led to the affair in the first place. Yeah, whatever it was, you know, whatever it was. Uh, But you have to deal with the hurt first because if you don't deal with the crisis, then you can't get to the other stuff. You know, it's almost like um, if if a house floods, you got to mop up the flood first and then you you deal with, you know, why why did it flood? You know, were there leaky windows? Was the foundation broken or whatever? Yeah, you got to stop the bleeding. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, well, the, uh, more terrific advice, and uh, we get into a lot uh, different scenarios and different. Um, we tackle different questions in that first part. Um, so, if you haven't listened to that yet, uh, please go back. It's uh, it's the episode right before this one, um, and I, I apologize for not knowing the number off the top of my head uh, because we schedule these things out. Um, ahead of time. Uh, but it, it will be the one that's right before this. Uh, so please go back and listen to that one as well. And hopefully you are not in this situation. Um, but if you find yourself in this situation, you are now equipped, uh, with much more information than before. Um, and if you have any, uh, friends or relatives, um, that may be dealing with something like this, um, or are suspecting something like this, I mean, it's never too early, Karen, to, see a therapist if you think there's problem problems on the horizon, right? Oh my goodness. I wish more people did that so that that way, you know, if you're more proactive and preventative, then, you know, it's much easier to deal with before the crisis happens. Yeah. Like, I mean, just as you were saying, uh, you, you know, let's patch things before there is a flood, right? Yeah. So, and it'll make it everything so much easier to deal with if you don't have to mop up all the water. Right. Um, Okay, so go back, listen to part one. Um, but in the meantime, I want to le- leave you with a little bit of information about Karen. 
Um, Dr. Karen Sherman is who you've been listening to, and she is a practicing psychologist uh, in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 25 years. Uh, she is an author, having written Mindfulness in the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Uh, Karen is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Uh, she has a new program out called From Fight to Foreplay. Uh, you can go to her website right now from fighttoforeplay.com that is all spelled out and you can get a free DVD to help get you on your way which as the title indicates will turn your fights uh, into a positive which seems uh, when you're fighting maybe impossible but it's not and she has the tips for you and uh, you can go and check it out and she has a little intro video you can view uh, so I highly recommend that uh, perhaps a good stocking stuffer um, and, uh, that I think will do it. Um, you can find all this information on our website, hitchedmag.com. You can find more information on Karen's website, drkarensherman.com. Uh, we are on all the social media platforms, uh, Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, Pinterest, uh, Google Plus. If you have any questions, if you have any issues you're dealing with, Please leave us a message. Please leave us a note. Um, we have a, an email button on our podcast page, so hitchedmag.com, and then click the podcast link, uh, and you can leave a question for us there. And we are always happy to tackle um, any issues that you have. Um, and um, yeah, I think that'll do it for us this week. So thank you one last time, Karen. It's always appreciated uh, and, and always insightful as well. Always my pleasure, Steve. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, Till next time, take care. We're on top of the world tonight.